0: Americans today are filled with more stress, worry, and anxiety than ever before. Just because our days, weeks, and schedules are full, doesn't mean we are.
1: In this series entitled March Madness, we encourage you to lean in as we discuss how to have a meaningful life filled with peace and purpose amidst all the madness.
0: Well, hello, City First Church family. It is so good to be with you here today. If you normally go to our Cape Coral location or our State Line location or here at Spring Creek or Dixon and Hardy, God Behind Bars, we just want to say we love you very much and we are welcoming you here to church online. Today I want to talk about worry and I want to talk about fear. Now, worry and fear were here before the coronavirus, and I hate to say this, but worry and fear are going to be here after the coronavirus also. You see, they are some of the enemy's greatest weapons in his arsenal. You could say these are his nuclear weapons. Because when we worry and when we fear, we are paralyzed, and usually we make decisions that are harmful not only to our present, but also harmful to our futures, You see, the world is paralyzed right now in worry and in fear. There's a story that is about Jesus and his disciples. And I want to focus on this story today. It's found in Matthew chapter 6. If you have your Bibles, you can open them up, or you will see it on the the screen as I read along. Here is this story about Jesus and his disciples, and they're together in a boat. That therefore, Jesus is saying... I tell you, do not worry about your life. Whatever you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes, Jesus says? Look at the birds of the air. Do they not sow or reap or store away in barns? Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they are? can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? Here's Jesus, and he's talking to his disciples, and he's saying, hey, listen, guess what? By worrying, you can't add a single hour to your life. I have a question for you, and this is the question. Has worry done anything for you lately? What has worry done for you lately? Can, can any of you say that by worrying that's it's added a single hour to your life? I mean, worry doesn't add. It actually takes away from your life, right? It takes away hours of sleep. It takes away hours of peace. It takes away enjoyment. Our, you know, worry always subtracts. It, it, it never adds. Worry takes away your confidence. Worry takes away your health, In fact, when I was interviewing a doctor at Mayo Clinic um, recently, if you watched the first couple messages in the series, I referenced this, that I talked to a doctor in the physical stress department at Mayo Clinic. And uh, she told me about how they've been doing 10 years worth of study on anxiety and worry and stress. And this is what she said. She said this, that a chronic worrier... If you're a chronic worrier, it gives a person a three times greater chance of having dementia later on in life. You see, worry even steals away your health. Worry and fear are cousins. They're cousins and they hang out together. And what do they do? They, they are on mission to steal joy from our life and from our soul. And Jesus is saying this, that you know what? When, when, when they come knocking at your door, when these two cousins of worry and fear come knocking at your door, do not let them in because guess what? They're only going to steal and they're going to rob from you. See, worry isn't just a fear of worst-case scenarios. It's a fear that we won't be able to handle worst-case scenarios. You see, our fear is that we're not going to be able to handle getting sick, or our fear is that we won't be able to handle one more medical bill, or our fear is that we won't be able to handle being laid off potentially, or we're not going to be able to handle an economic der- downturn, and that our 401k is going is to lose a lot of money, and, and we're in our retirement years. We're, we're, we worry that we're just not going to be able to handle it, and I want to say this, you're probably right. I know some of you are like, what do you mean by that? Well, you, you probably won't be able to handle the worst case scenarios. You probably, you probably should worry. You probably should be afraid if you don't understand who Jesus is. You hear that? If you don't understand who Jesus is and what he thinks about you, then yes, you have all the reason in the world to worry and have fear. Because at the end of the day, whoever your leader is, is your source. Now, I want you to think about that. Whoever your leader is, is your source. If money is your leader, then money is your source. If a politician is your leader, then he or she is your source. If you are your own leader, then guess what? You and your abilities, your talents, your connections, your resources. Guess what? You are your source. But if Jesus is your leader, then he is your source. I want you to think about this, because I don't know about you, but I want the God of endless power, endless wisdom, endless resource, endless miracles, and endless love to be my source. Because every other source that I look to has limitations. What does Jesus say in this verse that we just read? He's saying this, are you not much more valuable He's saying, God thinks that you are the most valuable. And and this is the beauty of God. God thinks that we're the most valuable, each and every one of us individually. In fact, he loves you to the, the, the fullest that he could love you. He thinks that you are the most valuable that you could ever be. And he thinks that about all of us. And he's saying this. Jesus is saying, God loves you. God is for you. God has not abandoned you. He cares for you, and God's got you. In fact, right now, if you're in a living room or you're somewhere watching with somebody, turn to them and say, God's got you. God's got you. But you see, if you don't know that, then yes, then there's gonna be fear. There's gonna be worry. You know, in fact, the closer in proximity you are to God, the more you understand his love for you. And Jesus is saying, you need to trust me. You need to trust my word, you need to trust my promises, you need to trust my character. Or if you don't trust Jesus, then you're gonna trust your own strength, your own abilities, and your own wisdom. And you know what that brings? Worry and fear, because we know our limitations. We know how much money is in our checkbook. We know right now how much you know, talent or resource or connections we have. We know how much toilet paper is on the shelf, right? You see, there are limitations to every other source. At the end of the day, we give our best energy to things that we can control. And then we let God take care of all the things that we can't. So who's your source today? Who do you trust? This story about Jesus in the boat that I referenced earlier. It's found in Matthew chapter 8, just a few chapters later. And Jesus is in a boat with his disciples. And it says this. It says that he, meaning Jesus, got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Suddenly, a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. Some of us feel like that's happening right now. The waves of life are crashing into our boat, but Jesus was sleeping. (laughs) Jesus is sleeping. Some of you maybe even thought that this week. You thought, Jesus, are you are you taking a nap? Do you see what's going on here with this virus? Do you see what's happening with the markets? Do you see what's happening with fear? That is, this is a real pandemic that's crossing America and our world? Do you see what's happening, Jesus? Are you sleeping? Well, it says that Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. He replied, you of little faith. Why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, What kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. You see, we're in a storm right now, and the waves are, are crashing into our life and rocking our boat, right? It's not a question of whether storms are going to come in life they're going to come. In fact, I want to say this. This will not be the last storm that you endure. There will be more storms to come in life, and there will be times that you just get rocked they're going to happen often. Sometimes they're little storms. Sometimes they're big storms. Sometimes it's small waves. Sometimes it's large waves. But here's my question. My question is, who is in your boat? See, that's what's important. Who is in your bo- boat when the storms come? The disciples were full of fear and worry, but what did they do? They immediately went to Jesus for help. And I know when we read this story, many times you maybe, if you've grown up in church, you've heard it preached about, uh, you know, the little faith of the, this, these disciples. And man, they should have just had more faith or whatever. You know, well, it's because we weren't in the storm. I mean, come on, we weren't in the storm. But we're in a storm now. And in the same way, many of us, our faith is being rocked. Waves are crashing in. We're taking on water. But you know what the disciples did? They did what I want each and every one of us to do. They immediately went to Jesus. You notice that the disciples didn't say, hey, row harder, John. Come on, Peter. Let's go. They didn't look to their own abilities. They didn't look to their own resource. But rather, they immediately went to Jesus. And I want us to do the same in this storm and every storm, and even when there isn't a storm. You see, if Jesus is in your boat, then you're good. And I don't want to sound trite. I'm saying that as truth. If Jesus is in your boat, then you're good. For many of us, Jesus has brought us through many storms, right? So if Jesus did it then, he will do it again. If he's brought you through other storms, he will bring you through this storm. You see, I have a question. What have you feared in the past that wouldn't scare you now? What have you feared in the past that wouldn't scare you now? You know why you wouldn't be scared? You wouldn't be scared because Jesus brought you through it. See, you're on the backside of the storm. You're looking at it now and you're saying, oh man, I was scared. That boat was rocking. My life was taking on water. I thought I was going to drown, but Jesus was in my boat. And because Jesus was in my boat, eventually the storm became calm and I made it through. So now you look back and you're like, well, I wouldn't be scared if I went through that again. Well, now we're in a new storm, aren't we? We're in a new storm. And I'm telling you that the same Jesus that has been in your boat is the same Jesus that's going to bring you through today's storm and next week's storm and next month's storm. (laughs) Jesus is speaking in John chapter 16, and he says this. I have told you these things, meaning I've told you you're going to have storms, so that in me you may have peace. In Jesus you may have peace. Not in money, not in resource, not in talents, not in ability, not in a politician, not in circumstances, but rather in Jesus you will have peace. In this world, he says, you will have trouble, but take heart. Take heart. If you're listening today, take heart. Listen to what he says. Because I have overcome the world. Jesus is stronger. He is bigger. He is more powerful than any storm you are facing. Jesus is saying, I'm with you in the boat. My love for you is more powerful than this storm. And the same God that got us through our past fears is the same God that will carry us through our current ones. Do you hear that? Our confidence is in Jesus, the person of Jesus, and his incredible love for us. But you got to know that love. You have to know that love. You see, Jesus loves you, loves me, loves everyone listening right now more than words can express. You know, I think of my own kids as a imperfect human father that is far, far much more flawed than, than most. I will tell you, my kids, they still benefit from me. They get food, they get clothes, they get shelter, they get love, they get an inheritance someday, they get gifts. You know, there's a security there because my kids know that I love them. And trust me, I am imperfect so imperfect compared to a perfect heavenly father, how much more does the perfect heavenly father love his kids? How much more does Jesus love us? He's perfect and he loves us. And guess what? When we understand that relationship, we know that we're loved and we're going to be okay. My kids have all those things because they are my kids. And when you are a son or daughter of Jesus, when you are a follower of Jesus, making him the leader and the forgiver of your life, guess what? You know that he's got you. Our relationship with Jesus drives out all fear. I love this verse is found in 1 John. It says, there is no room in love for fear. Well-formed love banishes fear. Since fear is crippling, a fearful life, meaning a life of death or fear of death, fear of judgment, is one not yet fully formed in love. In other words, when we have fear, that means we don't completely understand God's love. When we begin to worry and we allow worry to knock at the door of our heart and come in and take residence, that means we don't fully understand how much God loves us. Today, in a way that I believe is going to be supernaturally energized to each and every person watching, I am praying that you understand how much God loves you. He loves you so much that you can lock the door on fear and worry and not let it in. He loves you. He's got you. He is for you. Do you hear that? The more you understand how much Jesus loves you, the more fear loses a foothold in your life. It reminds me of a story that I heard that took place in the 19th century. The greatest tightrope walker in the world at that time was a man by the name of Charles Blondin. And uh, on June 30th of 1859, he became the first man in history to walk on a tightrope across Niagara Falls. I mean, this was something that no one in the history of the world had ever seen before. In fact, they estimated 25,000 people gathered both on the American border and on the Canadian border to watch him walk across. 1,100 feet suspended on a tiny little rope, 160 feet above the waters, he walked across. And when he got to the other side, on the Canadian side, the crowd went crazy, In fact, they couldn't believe it. It, it, They had never seen anything like it. They were talking about it. They were cheering. They were crying. And in the days that followed, Charles would do many walks across the falls many times. In fact, he would get a little bit more bold, a little bit more gutsy, you could say. In fact, one time, he literally took a chair with him out on the tightrope and a mini stove no joke. He took a mini stove and a chair and he walked out on the tightrope above the falls and he sat down in the chair and he fired up the stove and he made himself an omelet. No joke. Another time, he, he, he carried his manager on his back, piggyback, across the falls. I mean, I'm telling you, the crowds are losing their minds. They cannot believe what this guy is doing. And one time, he even took a wheelbarrow and he took it and he filled it with 350 pounds of cement and he walked across the falls. The crowds were going crazy. They couldn't believe it. They're like, who takes a wheelbarrow full of 350 pounds of cement? across the raging falls. Well, the next day, he was talking to the crowds before he began his traverse over the falls. And so he gathered the crowd together and he goes, how many of you think that I could put a person inside of a wheelbarrow, on the wheelbarrow and wheel them across Niagara Falls? The crowd began to go nuts, they're like, do it, And they're cheering loudly. And, and he goes, do you think I can do it? And the crowd's going, yes, you can do this. Well, then Charles saw one man in particular getting very excited about this. I mean, this guy is jumping up and down in the crowd. And he's like, do it, do it, do it. And so Charles looked at him and said, sir, do you think that I could safely carry you in this wheelbarrow across the falls. And the man goes, of course you could. And Charles looked at him and said, all right, get in. And the man replied, no way. You know what that tells me? There's a difference between believing and trusting. There's a difference between believing and trusting. And most of us watching today probably believe that there's a God. We believe he's out there somewhere. Like, yeah, he's got the whole world in his hands like that song. We believe he exists. We believe he's doing something. We really don't know what. We have questions. We're wondering why he doesn't intervene in certain times and and why he does in others. But we believe that there's a God. But can I tell you something? That's a world of difference from trusting in Jesus and giving them your life. See, you can believe there's a God, but that's different than saying, Jesus, I trust you with my life. You know what Jesus is saying? Trust me. Step into my love. Accept my forgiveness. Give me your whole life. Make me the leader and the forgiver of your life. And if you are found in my love, Jesus would say, you don't need to worry because I'm gonna take you across this crisis. I'm gonna bring you safely to the other side. Give me full control because my love casts out all the worry and all the fear. And today, wherever you're at, in your living room, watching on your smartphone, listening right now, wherever you are at, my question to you is this, will you entrust Jesus with your whole life? Will you say, I'm getting in the wheelbarrow because I can't make it across myself some of you are looking at this crisis and you're trying to figure out how to get across this tightrope and you're thinking i don't have the ability i don't have the resource i don't know if i have enough money in the bank to do it i don't know if i have enough food i don't know but but here's what jesus would say jesus would say guess what i got you covered on all those things will you go ahead and just entrust your life to me will you will you place your life in my hands jesus would say and allow me to take you across This crisis. So today, I want to ask each and every one of you to evaluate who's your source. Not who you say your source is, who you really, really look to as a source. Who are you trusting? What are you trusting? Jesus would say, Trust me. Trust me. And this is the thing the best thing you can do is trust the one that created you and is God, who is all-powerful, all-knowing. He's the one that is with you every moment of the day. So with that in mind, I'd like to pray with you right where you're at. I know right now you're in the living room, maybe even have friends with you. I don't know, but wherever you're at, I'm going to ask you, everyone, to bow your heads and close your eyes. Just do it now. I know it feels kind of weird because you're like watching on your smartphone, but just do it now and listen to the words that I'm going to say. Right where you're at, I'm going to invite you to pray a prayer. This is not joining a church. It's not joining a denomination. It's not saying you're going to be, you know, like all of a sudden a member or an owner of City First. Nothing like that. What this is, is saying, Jesus, I am entrusting my life to you. I'm giving it to you. Some of you are doing this for the first time. Some of you, you're praying this again as a reminder as you are in a storm and your life is rocking. And you're saying, Jesus, I trust you. I'm giving my life to you. So right now, will you just say this prayer with me out loud with every head bowed and every eye closed? Dear Jesus, I need you. I entrust my life to you. I believe you died for me. I accept your unconditional love. Forgive me of all my sin. Come into my life and be the leader of my life. I give you my stress. I give you my worry. I give you my fear. And in exchange, I embrace your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer, that was the most important prayer that you have ever prayed. Do you hear that? Before we close, in the minutes that we have together, I'm gonna ask you to do something with us. In a second here, we're going to sing a song about victory. We're we're gonna sing a song about that there's a victory on the way. That there is a victory that we're declaring. That we aren't gonna allow fear and stress and anxiety and and all of these things to steal and rob and kill and destroy. But rather, we're gonna acknowledge that there's a a God that loves us with, with an incredible amount of love that I don't even have the ability to communicate how powerful it is. And because of that love, we will have victory. The president of the United States declared that today is to be a national day of prayer. So I'm gonna say a prayer and then we're gonna sing this song and then we're gonna come back afterwards and we got some exciting things to announce. So don't disconnect, all right? But before we sing this song, I would like us to just take a moment and to pray for our nation, for our communities, for our neighborhoods, for our cities, Can we do that real quickly? Heavenly Father, we come to you right now. And right now we lift up the name of Jesus in our nation and in our world. We are asking that right now that Jesus, you would intervene in this coronavirus crisis. Lord, I pray that people that are sick would be healed. I pray that, Lord God, people would be protected. Lord, I pray that, like the Bible says, a hedge of angels would be placed around each and every person listening today. I pray that you would protect families and children and parents and grandparents, and Lord, of people of all ages. I pray that you would protect neighborhoods and cities and communities. Lord, our faith and our trust is in you. Lord, we thank you that in moments like this, we could look to the only one that is going to be stable and a firm foundation in our life, and that is you, Jesus. So, Lord, we declare you, Lord, over this situation and over our world. And, Lord, we declare that we will have a victory and that, Lord, we place ourselves in your love and that you will take us across this crisis. Lord, we thank you. We celebrate you in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's sing.